Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Inside the Huddle. It is our Indiana-Ohio State pregame show. Uh, We'll have T.J. Inman joining us. We'll also have Eric Seeger from 11 Warriors joining us around 11.15. Uh, to go over the game this week. It is a huge game. It's the first time a number one ranked team uh, has come into Bloomington since 1998. It's the first time IU has played a number one ranked team since they played Ohio State at the Horseshoe in 2006. Uh, Indiana is 0-21-1 in their last 22 tries against Ohio State. Uh, There are a lot of festivities going around. Uh, Indiana Athletics announced last night that the game was almost sold out and that they've released general public tickets to the students for 10 bucks. Uh, we put the link up on our site if you're still looking for tickets. Um, also, Dan Dockage is hosting, is potentially hosting, I don't know if it's official yet, but a, a game day-esque show in uh, Bloomington. So all the, uh, all the fanfare will be there. Um, on a on a bad note, uh, Darius Latham, Indiana defensive tackle, has been suspended indefinitely uh, pending a student ethics review board uh, ruling. Uh, but we'll bring in T.J. Inman. Uh, T.J., how are you today? I'm doing great, Sammy. I am uh, doing great. And that, that Dan Dockich game day thing is official. It is going to happen. Uh, it's going to occur by the Hoosier Village Um so that corner of the stadium that's going to occur, I believe, 12:30 to 2 is the time on that. Um, people interested in the details and kind of what's going on. Um, it's a partnership with uh, IU Student Media. I think it's. Um, I was a little bit, a little bit skeptical of it at first um, for some some reasons, but I do think that it's going to be a really cool event, and it seems like uh, Dan Dockich's dipping into his uh, rather large pool of resources that he has um, through all the work that he's done in college athletics and through ESPN. And uh, it seems like it's going to be a, a pretty cool event. It's generating a lot of interest. People that are interested in finding out some of the details, you can go to his Twitter account. It's at Dan Dockich or, or something like that. Um, and he's been tweeting about some of the things that they're going to have there, uh, live music, uh, concessions, beverages, um, T-shirts, a lot of stuff that that, um, some of the people that he has connections with are chipping in and donating to this event, encouraging everyone to come out, bring signs, just make it a a cool party atmosphere. They're going to hopefully have have some former IU football players there and, um, you know, do some guest picking and just kind of a little – IU version of game day for 90 minutes that hopefully will charge up the crowd before they head into the stadium. And, and, uh, it's really awesome that it's almost sold out. I know that, uh, Jeremy Gray has, has said that he has seen the ticket info and that this is not going to be a 50, 50 crowd. I do think that there's going to be 
I don't know about a large majority, but I do think it's going to be more IU fans than Ohio State fans, and hopefully they've got some reasons to cheer on Saturday. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll believe that when I see it, TJ. Right, um, that's right. not a knock on Jeremy Gray, but a lot of times, you know, there are a lot of Ohio State fans in Indiana, so even if you're looking at the data and it says, oh, we shipped tickets or sent tickets to Indiana uh, people, Maybe they are Ohio State fans. So hopefully it is sure. uh, majority IU fans. It's, it's probably their biggest game in a long, long time. Um, they haven't played a number one ranked team at home uh, since 1998. They haven't uh, been 4-0 since 1990. So, you know, all the stars are kind of lining up here uh, for something special. Um, I want to yeah, touch on something else. Dan Dockett said he's going to bring a slip and slide. Um Sounds fun, except it's going to be cold. Uh, the weather mm-hmm. might be a little rainy and a little cold. Uh, but, you know, I, I was skeptical about that as well. Um, just based on, on some of the stuff uh, Dan has said in the past, but it, it looks like he's making it about the IU student media and that he's there as a, um, not a chaperone, but somebody who's going to lead them through this game day experience and, and make it a fun time. It's something I'm I'm very interested to see what happens, and and I'll definitely stop by, uh, and take some pictures, and and maybe get a T-shirt or or some food and some uh, beverages. But um, it, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, so it, it's nice to have some buzz down in Bloomington. Uh, other a few other PSAs. Uh, you do need a parking pass to park in any of the lots. Uh, those details I will um, will post out with the game primer as well. Um, traffic, uh, traffic advisories as well. Uh, this is there's going to be over 50,000 people coming down for this game. So, you know, check back with our site often uh, about these traffic advisories. Uh, make sure you have your parking passes in line because you'll need one of those to park in one of the lots. Otherwise, they're going to park on an auxiliary lot. I think by the um, golf course, and there's a church up there, and they'll have shuttle buses running. Uh, to the stadium a la Northwestern, uh, but we'll, you know, come back. I, I want to make sure that all our fans and our listeners get down there in a timely fashion, that they have no problems uh, that we could have avoided uh, with that. But anyway, let's get down to, to game talk. Uh, Indiana will be out without Darius Latham. TJ, how is this going to affect the defense? Well, uh, it's it's really unfortunate. We don't know um, we don't know what led to the suspension. We do know that he is out indefinitely with uh, with an investigation going on um, by the student ethics committee. So uh, hopefully, hopefully that whatever he did or did not do has ended up uh, it's found out and that um, the appropriate punishment is handed down. But he is going to miss Saturday's game, like you said. Um, what does it mean for the defense? Well, Darius Latham uh, missed the first game, so in the three games that he played, uh, he led the team in tackles for loss. You know, he had five of them. Um, Nick Mangieri is second on the team with three. He Really, his disruptive play is, what, is what's going to be most missed, I think. Uh, kind of up the middle, he was able to get penetration into the, into the opposition backfield and, and kind of on a couple of occasions, really get them behind schedule, which obviously is big for a defense, uh, especially one without an experienced secondary. 
you're able to force them into second and longs or third and longs or get off the field on third down uh, because of a disruptive play from your defensive line. And Darius Latham so far had been the guy that uh, that was doing that the best. The players that are going to have to step up, obviously Ralph Green is going to see a little bit of an increase in his snaps. He was already playing quite a bit. Uh, Darius Rayner, same thing, just a, probably a little bit of an increase. I think you will see Nate Hoff, Sean Heffern, and the freshman from uh, Westfield, Jacob Robinson, um, get some more snaps than they have seen so far this season, with the exception of that first game where um, where Green and, and Latham were out. Obviously, it's a concern because that SIU game, definitely the worst game of the season for the Indiana defense, especially on the kind of the runs that Mark Iannotti was able to hurt IU with. So now you lose Latham again. You, I mean, if the middle of that interior line looks the way that it did against SIU, it's going to be a brutal, brutal day because Ohio State will pick up on that real quick and just um, – so Yeah, it I'm, I'm a little be that bit bad, though. You still that. have Gale – well, you have Scale oh, yeah. and Ralph Green are back. So the, the manpower is not as bad. Uh, the manpower loss is not as bad as it was for that game. But, yeah, it, it's a little bit concerning. Latham coming off probably his best game in his career against uh, Wake Forest. So they'll miss him. They'll, they'll need him back. Uh, eventually, hopefully, he comes back. Uh, we don't really know what the issue is. Um, just speculating, it sounds like an academic issue. Um, so we'll see where it pans out from here. Yeah, yeah, I think that for me, the person that I'm uh, – Ralph Green, um, I don't think that Ralph Green has played all that well yet. Uh, he has not played poorly, but I don't think he's played all that well. I'm looking for a, an impact performance from Ralph Green. Um, I'm very high on his ability, and I, I do think that uh, – Jacob Robinson can be good in time. I think Ohio State might be a little bit too much for him at the moment. But Nate Hoff, a very, very strong guy that I think um, I think can be a good contributor for IU. So, you know, you're going to need just every one of those guys that's in that rotation is just going to have to up their game um, a little bit on Saturday. And then, you know, for as long as, as Latham is out, that's going to have to be the case. Yeah, and, and we'll see. We'll talk to Eric Seeger when he comes on about who's going to start at quarterback. It looks like it's going to be Cardell Jones. Uh, he mm-hmm. was one of our guests in our Q&A um, where they said that Cardell really doesn't run the ball as much as JT Barrett and Braxton Miller have in the past. Uh, so they'll throw the ball a little bit more and limit the quarterback run. So that might help out that, that front seven for IU. Uh, but Again, that puts a lot of pressure on the young uh, Indiana Anna defensive backs. Although it's four games in, they're not that young anymore. So um, it, it, that's where the, that pressure is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, Cardell Jones is going to be the guy. I'm looking forward to talking to Eric about a, about uh, about the Buckeyes. But um, I, do, I do wonder whether or not – obviously, Urban Meyer – is a very, very smart offensive and a very smart guy, period. Um, if they find something in the Indiana defense that they feel is susceptible, they're going to uh, they're going to take advantage of it no matter what game plan they might have coming into it. But I do think that their game plan is going to be, and they've talked about this, 
they want to get that offense clicking back to where it was, and it looked closer to what we expected it to be against Western Michigan last week than it had previously. So they, they still missed on a few deep balls that Urban Meyer was not real pleased about. Uh, one of them was underthrown by Jones and resulted in a pick. But uh, the offense did look a bit more like what you'd expect from Ohio State. So there's the danger that uh, although it looked awful against Northern Illinois, maybe it's rounding into form uh, at, at a bad time for IU. But I think Urban Meyer is really focused on having his team peak at the right time. He's really good at that, as last year proved. Uh, they haven't peaked yet, and I, I don't think we're going to look at a peak Ohio State performance on Saturday. The great thing for them is that they do not have to play at a peak performance to beat the majority of the opponents that they go up against and beat most of those opponents handily. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see what the offense, offensive game plan looks like. They've got a good offensive line. Ezekiel Elliott is the best running back that IU is going to have played so far. Um, their receiving core... I want to ask Eric about that, but Michael Thomas is the leader of that group, and, and he's going to be a very tough matchup for, I would assume, Richard Fant will draw that matchup for the most part, but Thomas is he's a, he's a pretty big, uh, big tall receiver, so it's going to be tough for Fant there, but um, it, it's going to be very difficult for Indiana's secondary, I think, to contain this Ohio State passing attack. The key is going to be don't allow the big plays and don't let things snowball. You know, you cannot let this Ohio State team get into a rhythm. They're going to hit some big plays. That's going to happen, but you can't let it become a consistent thing where they're hitting big play after big play and really making letting things snowball. And the offense is going to play a part in that, I'm hoping, by controlling the clock with their running game. We saw that some against Western Kentucky, especially in the second half of that game, where IU's running game was able to take control of things and keep that explosive hilltopper offense off the field, That's, I think that that's going to be what the Hoosiers tried to do on Saturday against Ohio State. Uh, Western Michigan had some success running the ball at 160 yards plus. It wasn't great yards per carry, but I think Indiana's going to try to do the same thing and just control that clock by running it. You're not going to see them get up to the line and snap it all that quickly very often. Uh, it, it's going to be, I think, that the Western Kentucky game the second half of that is going to be kind of the blueprint for what you want to see. Long drives that are a mix of run and pass that allow Indiana's offense to stay on the field and Ohio State's offense to stay on the bench. Yeah, definitely. And that's where Jordan Howard uh, comes in handy, whereas last year you had Tevin Coleman who broke off the monster runs and had a great day. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't control the clock as much as they would like. And so – you know, Jordan Howard is is a doubles hitter where he's going to get six, seven yards of carry. And we'll see what he could do against Ohio State. It'll be his uh, hardest test yet. But if they could grind out a few drives and eat up four, five, six minutes on each drive, uh, it should keep Indiana in the game and, and prevent Ohio State from going on those runs where they, you know, score. Like last year, they, they scored, you know, Jalen Marshall himself scored three touchdowns in, in 14 minutes. So, um We'll see what they do uh, with that. And that defense, Ohio State defense, is, is pretty darn good as well. So uh, Indiana's offense leading the conference, but we'll see. They'll have their workout cut out for them. Uh, Sudfeld and uh, Kevin Wilson both said that the offense could be better. Well, now's the perfect time for them to be clicking on all cylinders. Um, so we're waiting for Eric Seeger to call in. Uh, we'll discuss more about this game. 
Uh, TJ, uh, for you, what you know, what are you most looking forward to in this game? Well, I, I'm looking forward to number one, um, just the overall buzz and the atmosphere that's going to be around the game. I think it's going to be awesome to see. Number two, I'm looking forward to seeing whether or not that Indiana offense can really just continue to progress. I think that they they have left some points on the board, but they've still been pretty prolific uh, in, a, in a way that I don't think is going to just suddenly fall apart when they play good defenses. Uh, I don't think yep. that all these numbers are just based on them beating up on cupcakes. I think that FIU has a pretty solid defense. I think Wake Forest has a pretty solid defense. So I don't think that this is a case of Indiana just beating up on really weak opponents. I'm not saying they're the strongest defenses in the world, and Ohio State will be the best group that they've played, but I am looking forward to seeing if it translates to a really tough opponent. Uh, you know, if I have no reason to expect that it won't, but uh, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to. And another is um, just the huge test that it's going to be for this young secondary, which you said is, is four games into the season now, so they do have some seasoning. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing guys like John Crawford, Andre Brown, Jamil Cook, Chase Dutra, looking to seeing how they step up to this challenge. They've played very well at times, mainly the second halves of games, with the exception of that 10 minutes against Wake Forest. And then they've looked very bad at times. So which which of those secondaries steps up? Indiana's going to have to play a complete 60 minutes. They can't play one half or they can't have, you know, 10 or 15-minute let-ups. They're going to have to play a complete 60 minutes to even be in this game uh, towards the end of it. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I, I do think that it's going to be very interesting to see the IU uh, offensive line against the Ohio State defensive line. You know, Joey Bosa is projected by a lot of people as the top draft pick in the, in the next NFL draft. Adolphus Washington is an extremely good prospect as well. They have a really, really good group of linebackers. They'll help out on runs as well. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see if the offensive line can, number one, continue to run block the way they have, and number two, and give him a little bit of time to throw to the wide receivers. I do think yep. that the interior of the defense is a spot where Indiana could have a little bit of success against Ohio State. Exactly. Um, and we're going to bring in Eric Seeger now. Uh, Eric writes for 11 Warriors. Eric, how are you today? Doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing fantastic. It's uh, got a little chilly here uh, in Indianapolis, but it is uh, fall and football weather. Uh, thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah, kind of feels like it. Uh, it's a little chilly in Columbus too. I was not expecting it when I woke up this morning, but uh, things are hey. you know just punching right along here in Columbus. Uh, Big Ten week finally. So what's the buzz in Columbus about this game? There's a, a big buzz in Bloomington. Um, first time a number one team has come in uh, to Memorial Stadium since 1998. Uh, what's what's the buzz going on in, in Columbus? Uh, well, within the program, uh, it's the whole thing that they say every year. You know, it's a, it's a Big Ten contest. It's the first Big Ten game of the year. Um, not that they always play Indiana with the first Big Ten game every single season, but uh, there, there's a lot of, I guess, up of excitement when it comes to that. And uh, the big thing with Indiana is, as you guys know, uh, Jordan Howard is the big the big guy that Ohio State is going to be focusing on. And uh, curious, too, is to see how Nate Sunfeld looks coming off that shoulder injury. Right. Um, 
you, you guys have questions at quarterback as well. Uh, Card- Cardell Jones is going to start, but are we going to see JT Barrett? Or are we going to see a quick trigger finger here if uh, Cardell struggles? Or is uh, Urban going to settle down on one guy? I think that Urban's going to he's going to settle with Cardell and just kind of ride out with him. Uh, and I say that because that's pretty much what he did against Western Michigan last Saturday until the very end of the game when Ohio State was up by four touchdowns and the game was decided. Um, and also this week on Tuesday, when Ohio State releases its depth chart to the public, for the first time all year they didn't have co-starters at quarterback. It didn't say Cardell Jones or JT Barrett. It just said Cardell Jones was the starter. So I think that it, for unless something drastically happens, or Cardell gets injured, he's going to be he's going to be the guy for Ohio State quarterback. Well, um, one of the things on. that uh, I wanted to ask you about, Eric, was uh, you know everybody's been focused on the quarterback situation, understandably so. Cardell looked much more comfortable to me last week, but uh, kind of the issues with the H back position. Uh, there's plenty of options there, and there's there's you know a lot of weapons that Ohio State has, but. You know, Braxton Miller really hasn't done much since week one. Jalen Marshall only has like 90 yards on the season. Uh, Dontre Wilson hasn't really seen much of the ball either. Uh, is this due to a, a new coordinator? Is this just guys not quite clicking yet? I, I, I'm kind of curious about what uh, you've seen out of out of those different offensive weapons that they have at H-back. You know, Michael Thomas has been really good, but... Um, sure. There's there's not been a lot from the H back spot which we're so used to seeing in Urban Meyer's offense as being so explosive. Right, um, you're absolutely right, and I think that the the biggest thing is with specifics to Braxton Miller, uh, I think it's a little bit he's still kind of trying to get comfortable with playing that position because he played quarterback for his entire life until you know the spring basically. So mm-hmm. I think that he's trying to still get his feet wet, and he's such a dynamic player that. And he hasn't played for a year, so that that too, you know, I think it's kind of a mental block maybe for him where he's not really comfortable yet. I mean, he hasn't taken game reps, you know, for over a year until uh, Labor Day night at Virginia Tech. But also Ed Warner, offensive coordinator, he's new, and it's there's just kind of been some growing pains, and it's been a month where they've been trying to figure out how they're going to use all these guys and who who's going to get the ball and where they're going to get the ball. So both Ed Warner and Urban kind of have admitted that they're still trying to figure out specifically to Braxton, like how they're going to use him, whether it's going to be taking direct snaps or getting it on jet sweeps and this and that. But the other guys you mentioned, Jalen Marshall and Dontre Wilson, you know, they're they're kind of a game behind everyone because they got suspended for week one. So um, not to make an excuse for them, but they are still kind of getting used to, you know, consistently playing and getting those game reps and doing this and that. But I think that moving forward, Jalen Marshall is going to take on a big role because I think he's really, really good, and as is Braxton, but Jalen just has more experience playing the position. Yeah, we saw Jalen Marshall take over the game uh, last year uh, during the, you know, the last half of that third quarter and the fourth quarter. Um, Eric, Indiana has played Ohio State pretty well since Wilson has been there. Is this something that, you know, it's uh, Kevin Wilson's offense is a little bit of a mismatch? I know it, it was Luke Fickle's year in 2011, but why right. the Hoosiers kind of stuck around with the uh, with the Buckeyes here in the last few years? Well, the first thing you mentioned, Kevin Wilson. I mean, Urban spoke glowingly about him um, on Monday and Tuesday. He, he has all the respect in the world for Kevin Wilson. So I think that that kind of speaks to as well. And Urban is always fascinated with new wrinkles that anybody can put in with an offense. So I think that 
to your point, I think that uh, Indiana's offense has kind of caused Ohio State's defense some problems um, just in the fact that they have some really good skill players, and they have in recent years with Kevin Coleman and Shane Wynn and Sudfeld and all that. So they, they, they've had some guys, and they've been able to make some plays against Ohio State. But I think some of it, too, and it's hard not to say this. I mean, I don't, I'm not on the team. I don't play. But I think it's just – I think a lot of times the guys kind of like maybe look past Indiana and then kind of like, okay, wait, these guys can actually play and can hang with us. I mean, that's no disrespect to Indiana at all, but it's just Ohio State is used to kind of just being a top dog and doing whatever it's able to do and when it wants to do it. So I think that a lot of that kind of plays into it. But this year, if Ohio State doesn't take them seriously, I mean, Jordan Howard can can torch you. And last weekend, Ohio State's rush defense did not play that well. So I think that that is going to be a big matchup to watch on Saturday. Right. In the last few years, I believe the Indiana-Ohio State game was always the week before Michigan. And so maybe that, right. there was a little letdown on there. Um, That's true. Yes, I agree with that, too. Uh, what are your keys to the game for for, for an Ohio State win? I, I know we've talked a little bit about um, the, the the line play and Ohio State's interior defense. Um, you know, What does Ohio State have to do to come out of here uh, with the victory? Well, that's going to be that's going to be number one is uh, stopping Jordan Howard. Uh, so the defensive line, especially on the interior, has to perform, and the linebackers got to be able to make the tackles. But I think a lot of what's going to go into this game for Ohio State to be successful is they got to they got to get to Sudfield. I mean, the guy can he can sling it, and he he's got some talent on the outside. But he you know if if Ohio State can get pressure with guys like Joey Bosa and Adolphus Washington and Sam Hubbard and all them, then he might have some problems, but that, that's going to be a big key too. Um, and then I think offensively, they, they've just got to be able to capitalize on the opportunities because last week they kind of left some points off the board by missing some deep passes. And Indiana's defense is not exactly the strongest, so if Ohio State can can avoid some mistakes, they, they should be able to put up some points. Right. The weather's not going to be great, it looks like, although it is Indiana in the Midwest and that forecast might change by the end of the podcast. Uh, but it, it looks like it's going to be breezy and, and maybe a little bit of rain. Is that going to affect uh, Cardell? And you guys had trouble with the deep ball last week. Is that going to affect that part of that game as well? I, I think it could, definitely. Uh, and not just last week, but the week before against Northern Illinois, when Cardell was out there, he threw uh, one of his two interceptions when it was pouring down rain. So, you know, I mean, he tried to stretch the field and made a bad read and, it was picked off so the weather could definitely play a factor but it's getting to that part of the calendar where things are going to be affected by that more and more these passing weeks so that's just going to be another thing that i think both teams are going to have to adjust to right eric we'll get you out of here on one last question what is uh what's your prediction for the game uh the spread i think now is 21 points um is uh, IU going to cover? Or is Ohio State going to handle this uh, pretty handily and and run away with it? I think Indiana is going to cover, but I think Ohio State is still going to win by at least two possessions. Um, I, I have them. My pick is you know, I'm Ohio State 45, Indiana 28, uh, and and I think that Ohio State might get ahead early and might put in some backups, or they you know just might feel comfortable with playing more guys. But Indiana is going to. They're still going to score. I mean, that's what they do. You guys know that better than I do. And I think that Jordan Howard is going to have some success. But the biggest key is if Ohio State can keep him from breaking off like a 90-yard touchdown run like Kevin Coleman did at Ohio Stadium last year. All right. Thanks, Eric. Um, have safe travels to Bloomington this weekend. Uh, we'll 
send you some traffic information so you don't spend uh, 18 hours on, on uh, State Road 37. Uh, but thanks for joining it. us. Uh, tell us where, where we can follow you on Twitter and some of the stuff you've done. Yeah, um, my Twitter is at Eric Seger, that's E-R-I-C-S-E-G-E-R, and then the number 33, and you can find all my stuff at 11warriors.com. Uh, just recently just been talking a lot about Big Ten play getting going and if I say can stop Jordan Howard. So thanks a lot, guys, and I uh, look forward to seeing you in Bloomington. All right, thanks, Eric. Thank you, Eric. Yep. Uh, that was Eric Seeger of 11 Warriors. Uh, we did a and a with him this week as well. It's up on the site. Uh, great stuff from him. Uh, so it, it looks like, you know, Ohio State may have overlooked Indiana in the past. Uh, they had that wacky game in 2012 as well where Ohio State jumped out to, you know, three-touchdown lead there at the end, and Indiana fought back to make it a three-point game with a couple onside kicks and a, and a great play by Nick Stoner. Um, so it, it's definitely going to be an interesting game. Um, TJ, we're going to get into the uh, keys to the game for IU. Uh, what is your first key to the game for, for Indiana? Well, I think the first key is going to be establishing that running game. Uh, Eric talked about it, that Ohio State's very aware of Jordan Howard. It's impossible not to be at this point. Um, so I think that's going to be the first key is for Indiana to establish the running game. That's going to come from the offensive line. That's going to come from play calling. That's going to come from Jordan Howard and Divine Redding as well. Um, Indiana cannot have negative plays. They can't have holding penalties. They can't have false starts. That'll put them behind the chains, allow that Ohio State pass rush to get going. But if Indiana can keep cranking out five, six yards of carry and just steadily move the ball down the field like we talked about, control the clock, that's going to be a, a big boon to keep Indiana, number one, scoring points. Obviously, that's very important. And number two, keep the Ohio State offense off the field. You know, I, when I talk about IU's running game, for me, it's not just about, um, you know, keeping the ball or anything like that. It, it's also, in my opinion, the way that Indiana's offense is most effective because it really opens up Nate, things for Nate Sutfeld to – you know, maybe throw those deep seam passes to Ricky Jones, um, throw to the outside to Simi Cobbs, throw to, you know, a couple of the tight ends like Corsaro. And, and we've seen a play that has worked quite a bit is a play action, kind of an inside zone pass or an inside zone run that uh, Sudfeld decides to keep, just rolls to the outside a few a few yards, and then the tight end releases on kind of a delay block and picks up, you know, 10, 15 yards nearly every time they've run that play this season. Um, so, And that all comes from a successful running game. So that's my first key. Uh, Eric talked about it. We talked about it. I think that both coaching staffs and the players are aware of it. Who can establish that line of scrimmage? That's going to be the first major battle in this contest. And I, I, I kind of think that IU is going to be able to run the ball pretty well because I have a lot of faith in how good this offensive line is. Yeah, and that is um, that's one of my keys as well. And you're exactly right. Is uh, controlling the clock, controlling the line of scrimmage. Uh, it's something that Indiana you normally don't talk about when they're playing these Big Ten games, especially against Ohio State, where they actually have a shot at controlling the line of scrimmage. Um, <laughs> normally, it's you're going to have to open the playbook and do some trick plays and score on some breaks. I'm not saying that if Indiana controls the line of scrimmage, they're go- they're going to win, but it'll sure go a long way to keeping them in this game and 
keeping it close into the end. Uh, TJ, my first key is the crowd. Um, it, it's going to be – there's a lot of buzz. I know it's a, a corny thing to say is that, you know, crowds help win games, but I'm going to channel um, Coach Hep. Uh, this student crowd's got to get out there early. Um, the dockage game, they should have them all fired up. Uh, I would like to see the athletic department unrestrict tailgating for students. Um, this is a big game. It's probably the biggest game in the last 25 years for Indiana um, in terms of home games. So get the crowd in there early, make it loud, make it uncomfortable. If what is Jeremy Gray is saying is accurate, which I don't doubt is accurate, but if it is mostly IU fans, um, this, this place could be loud and, and we'll see, um, you know, how that affects Ohio State. I mean, they've already played on the road in a raucous uh, lane stadium at Virginia Tech, so it shouldn't really phase them, but it should get Indiana fired up. This is an atmosphere they haven't played in at home uh, yet in the Kevin Wilson era, uh, so we'll see how it goes from there. Um, TJ, what is your second goal, for, or second key to the game? Yeah, just piggybacking off of, of what you said, not playing in this type of atmosphere at home before, that's that's very true. Uh, and I think that it will be interesting to see how the players react to it because um, it's not always good. Sometimes you get a little bit too amped up and you see it with kind of sloppy play, penalties or maybe drop passes because you're trying to do too much with the ball before you actually catch it. Um, mistakes like that that could, not saying that they will, but they could come from being a little bit too amped up because of the atmosphere. We'll see. There's There's a lot of different ways that that could play out. Um, so you're right, it is going to be uh, a very important aspect of this game. Uh, one of the other points for me is going to be special teams, and I'll steal it from you. Um, I know that you love special that's teams, my and you've been TJ. dead on about it. I know, I know. I'm, I'm going to take it from you, and you can talk about it after I do, because I'm sure you've got something to add to me here. But you mentioned earlier, Jalen Marshall changed this game last year. Um, with the special teams play, and then after that with some other heroics from him. But um, Indiana has been really, really good so far this season after week one in special teams play. Last week uh, was really good, minus the onside kick recovery team. But that can be a bit fluky sometimes. Um, But overall, the coverage units have been really good. The punt return unit has been good. Uh, the kickoff return unit needs to make something happen, or at the very least, just take a touchback. We talked about it on Monday. But Indiana has to make sure that Ohio State doesn't get any big points, big plays, free yards, anything out of special teams. If they can do that and just make this an offense versus defense game and then maybe throw in a big return or two themselves, or have a couple of big hits on return or, or something like that, then uh, I'll feel better about Indiana's chances to stay in it. If they're giving up, you know, maybe a touchdown return or a couple of big returns to give Ohio State's offense a short field, you're making things that much harder on yourself. So that's going to be an area where IU has to continue to play well. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, you're spot on. Uh, <laughs> stealing my thunder, uh, but uh, – it's okay, TJ. Um, yeah. You're right, and I think with the the weather coming in, with the wind and, and maybe rain, yeah. it makes kicking the ball a little bit harder. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, Memorial Stadium, the the wind swirls a little bit. It's like old Giant Stadium uh, in the Meadowlands, where 
you know, rumor had it if you were on offense and opposing team, they'd open the doors on on the opposite end, and the, the wind would come in at, at a million miles an hour. But um, how Eric Toth and how um, Griffin Oaks handle the wind on kickoffs and punts is going to be uh, of utmost importance, uh, as well on field goals. You know, Ohio State, I think, missed a guy had a field goal blocked or missed last year. They missed a couple in that 2003 game, or 2012 game. So we'll see how they uh, handle the weather a little bit on that. And, you know, limiting, like you said, limiting Ohio State's return yardage uh, will be huge. It'll set your defense up for a little bit more success. Um, yeah. My second key to the game is going to be, uh, you know, having a, a short memory. Ohio State, like Western Kentucky, is going to hit big plays. That's They're just a very, very good offense. They're number one team in the country for a reason. Um, so, you know, have a short memory. If you give up a, ne- a long play, play the next play. Um, you never know what's going to happen. You saw that uh, in the FIU game. Uh, where Indiana made three great plays down at the goal line. They had Andre Brown uh, push the receiver out of bounds uh, to force that incompletion. And um, I'm blanking on his name right now, but I think it was Dawson Fletcher had a uh, the tip pass in the end zone. And at the end of that drive, it was, uh, it was Cook uh, with the pick six. So play the next play. You never know what's going to happen. It happened at Western Kentucky as well when they – stuffed them at the, the half-yard line or at the goal line and then forced, uh, you know, a fourth-down uh, turnover. And so forget forget about what you just gave up and play the next play. Uh, final final key to the game, TJ. Yeah, I think your, your point's absolutely right. You can't let things snowball. Uh, if Ohio State gets on a roll, it, it will get ugly. So you, you've got to make sure – that you do not let things snowball in terms of big plays or in terms of runs for Ohio State. Like if they score back-to-back touchdowns, you've got to make sure you stop that and don't let them get three straight touchdowns. Um, that's going to be very important. My, my final one is going to be um, the IU defense against really the entire Ohio State offense, but I'll focus on Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Indiana needs to – you can't make Ohio State one-dimensional. You're not going to stop Ezekiel Elliott, but they do need to keep him in check because if you let him run rough shot and pick up six, seven yards of carry, you are really, really setting things up for your secondary to get torched because if Ohio State is able to establish their running game, then it makes their passing game that much easier. We talked about it with IU. It's the exact same thing with Ohio State. If you could establish the running game, it makes everything in your passing game open up that much more. Uh, and if you give Cardell Jones all kinds of space to operate because your secondary is having to worry about the running game a little bit, uh, he's going to burn you. So um, I'll go ahead and say I use defense. So, you know, the defensive line minus Darius Latham plus that linebacking core, uh, guys like T.J. Simmons, T. Gray Skills, Marcus Oliver, Zach Shaw, they're going to have to have big games. You're going to have to tackle in space. You're going to have to make sure that uh, Ezekiel Elliott does not get into the open field and rip off big runs against you. But he's he's incredibly good. He's he's not going to be totally stopped, but you do need to contain him uh, to give your defense, especially that secondary, a chance to just focus on the passing game. So uh, I'll go with that. But really the entire defense is going to have to play a great game, not just to run defense. Yeah, uh, to piggyback on that, it, it'll be hard to make them one-dimensional. But if you could limit their running game a little bit, 
uh, maybe hold them yeah. to 120 yards or below. Uh, it, it will really help them out to, you know, say, hey, we could send some linebackers now into coverage. Um, my thing is, uh, final final key is turnovers. Indiana's won the turnover battle in each of the games they've played. I think they're plus seven now on the, in the turnover margin, or plus six. Uh, Ohio State's not immune to turnovers. Last year, uh, JT Barrett uh, turned the ball over three times against IU. Uh, Cardell Jones has been a little plagued with uh, interceptions on the deep ball uh, this year, so if Indiana could take away the turnovers, get points like they have been, I think the last five or six turnovers have resulted in IU touchdowns. It's a great way to, to flip momentum, to get the crowd back into it, uh, to take the air out of the Ohio State crowd. I, I they, they always make that trip. I am very leery about this pro-Indiana crowd. I, I think it would be more 50-50, but it will take the air out of that, that half of the crowd and really energize the IU students who are there. And if Indiana could get points off of those turnovers, uh, that'll make the, the game that much um, that much more exciting and that much, uh, you know, more competitive. Yep. No, that's a good point. Turnovers are, are always going to be a key for an underdog to pull off a massive upset or uh, or be competitive in a in a game like this where IU is such a such a big underdog on paper. Um, you know, as we wrap up this game, I think it's important for us to remember, and we talked about it a tad bit on Monday, uh, Indiana has started 4-0, and losing to Ohio State is not going to take away those four victories. Um, I, I'm not going to say that IU has, quote, nothing to lose, because I don't believe in that kind of thing. Uh, if you're an athlete that has pride and you go out there uh, and compete and work as hard as you do to get ready for a game, you, of course, have something to lose. But Indiana does not have to win this game for their bowl hopes. They don't have to pull off any massive upsets to get to a bowl game because of the work that they did in the non-conference. So I, I think it's really important for the fans that are there. I, I really hope that IU puts on a good performance, um, gives these fans that are there from Indiana, gives their home crowd and their students a, uh, you know, stuff to cheer about, gives them a really good time and that those fans then come back in two weeks for homecoming against Rutgers, uh, I just I hope that a, a loss, if it is a loss on Saturday or if it's a, you know, kind of an ugly performance, that people remember um, what was done in the non-conference portion of the schedule to set up the rest of this season. You know, Saturday is not a make-or-break game for Indiana season. It's a chance to take on a really good opponent a chance to make a statement about the quality of program that you now have and to show how far you've come in a few years here. Um, but it's also a chance to to maybe set yourself up for the rest of the season and gain some confidence that, yeah, we, we can play with just about anybody in the country if you can play with Ohio State. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we talked about this all off season about how IU had the chance to toast the number one team in the country while they themselves were 4-0, and, and the Hoosiers were able to get that done. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Yeah, and, and you're right. They're not playing with nothing to lose. There's there's a lot to lose. You could get you know blown out. Um, you know There could be an injury. But to me, they're playing with house money. Uh, they could take yep. a few gambles um, down the field w- without really um, risking too much. Uh, they could do some trick plays, uh, you know, maybe – 
show some things that they weren't willing to show in the first few weeks, open the playbook a little bit more. So, you know, it's playing with house money. Have fun. This is this is what college football is all about. Uh, you know, people who had game day and people are getting upset about it. It's college football. The number one team te- uh, is coming into town. Have fun. You know, it, it, win or lose, it's going to be an awesome atmosphere. Um, it should not affect, unless there's a, a, an injury, and knock on wood that there is not an injury. That's my main concern coming out of this is just come out of it healthy, cover the spread, um, and, and to me that that's fine. Um, now coaches are gonna they're gonna say we're we're, we're we could win this game, and and it, maybe they can. Uh, we'll see. You know, Aaron, I think Aaron Taylor on Fox Sports One last night called for the Indiana upset. So, you know, some people are buying into this, but just get out of it healthy. It's uh, a game that if you win, it could make it a really really special season. If you lose, you still have seven tries to get two wins. Uh, with some very winnable games left on the schedule. Yep, totally agree. It's it's a, it's a really good opportunity for IU to um, to show that they belong on the on the same field with with the top part of their division. Um, you know, it's a it's just a good opportunity, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing whether or not the players are able to seize it. Yeah, and, and, and one more thing about the, the Dan Dockage game day. It's going to be televised. People are going to bring signs. If you're interested in having a Hoosier Huddle sign, we'll be interested uh, in talking with you. So send us a message on Twitter. It's at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Uh, we'll be happy to send you a JPEG and um, get you a sign going. Um, other than that, uh, we'll dive into some of the rest of the conference games this week. It is the technically the second week of conference play since Rutgers and Penn State played a couple weeks ago. Uh, but some of the other games are, you know, Army and Penn State. Uh, Penn State should handle them easily, uh, and we'll see if, you know, Hackenberg continues to improve. Yeah, he had uh, he had his best week of the season um, last week in San Diego State, put up his best numbers. Uh, the important or interesting thing to watch in this game and then in the week after that, because IU does play Penn State following the Ohio State game, uh, both of their running backs had to leave the game against San Diego State. Akeel Lynch and Saquon Barkley uh, both had to leave. Their status for this week is not known. Their status for the IU game is not known. The only thing that we've heard about it is James Franklin does not believe that either injury is season-ending, but uh, neither injury is minor. So uh, this could be a matter where one of them misses the IU game, they both miss the IU game, or maybe they're both back against Army, and, and who knows. I, I To me, when I saw the injuries, it looked like Akeel Lynch had a more significant injury. Uh, Barkley was back on the sidelines on Saturday. Um, Akeel Lynch left, and, and we did not see him again. So we'll see how that plays out. I, Penn State should handle Army, Army perfectly fine, but, um, you know, it's a little bit interesting always to see what a team does the week before they take on IU. So um, we will keep an eye on that running back situation and update it next week. Yeah, um, and both of those guys could be held out against Army. It is an, an inferior opponent, uh, and yeah. if there's any risk of injury, why why play them? The next game up is Purdue at Michigan State. Um, so both Indiana uh, schools are playing number one and number two in the country. Uh, this game shouldn't be close. 
Uh, Purdue, uh, Blau played very well last week. That defense uh, did not. They lost to Bowling Green, who's no joke on offense. But that season seems to be all that optimism that came after that Marshall loss uh, has kind of, you know, disappeared and and is – Purdue is facing a one and seven start and potentially, uh, you know, a two win or three win season, maybe even a one win season. Yeah, no, that's very possible. I think uh, anything from like one to four wins is on the table for the Boilermakers. Yeah, David Blau did play uh, did play well against Bowling Green, but uh, it wasn't enough. You know, they couldn't get their running game going against uh, Bowling Green, which. I kind of thought that that's that would be what they relied on, but they could barely muster two yards to carry with uh, Knox and Markel Jones against the Bowling Green run defense that had been really absolutely shredded by everyone else that they'd played. So, sure, what to think about that running game anymore? I thought it was kind of a strength of that team, and now I, you can't really say that. Michigan State, um, you know, I'll be honest, I, I'm not entirely overwhelmed. Um, I don't think that they played particularly well against Air Force, and they weren't awesome against Western or Central Michigan. Uh, more than good enough, they deserve to be, you know, in the top ten. But I, if you're asking me who the second best team in the country is, I'm not saying Michigan State. I think that they are a very, very good team. I think they will handle Purdue, uh, but I, you know, they could use a, a dominant performance here to kind of. They, I mean, they don't need to make me feel better. They could care less, and it doesn't really matter. But just if I'm looking at their stock for the rest of the season, I think just another workmanlike performance like they've had against uh, their non-conference opponents outside of Oregon so far. And I'll, I'll be kind of looking for their matchup against Michigan coming up, wondering whether or not the Wolverines might uh, might be able to make this a three-team race in the East. We'll see. Yeah, speaking of Michigan, they're taking on Maryland at Maryland. That game's at 8 o'clock, and Big Ten is sending their pregame show out there. Uh, Maryland looked absolutely awful last week against West Virginia. Michigan looked absolutely awesome last week against BYU. Uh, It could be a team who's ice cold against a team who's red hot. Um, So what do you see in this game? Boy, I I am really, really impressed with Michigan because I saw BYU play a couple of times. I saw them play Nebraska, saw them play Boise State. I didn't think that they'd be shut out by anybody. Uh, Michigan was was dominant yet again on defense. Um, Really, we've talked about it before. The blueprint for success for them this year is going to be a dominant defense, an effective ground game, and then not turn the ball over. Well, last week that's exactly what they did. The ground game was really good. Jake Rudock was more efficient than he had been before. He didn't have any turnovers, finally. Um, and then the defense just totally locked up BYU, which has a, a typically a pretty good offense, and they look like they had some weapons this season, but Michigan didn't allow them any breathing room at all. So I, I think that Michigan has a chance here to win, you know, nine, maybe ten games if they can stun Michigan State or Ohio State. What's interesting to me, I, I wouldn't pick them to do that right now just because that quarterback play is still so um, – you just can't be all that enthusiastic about Jake Rudock at this point. But everything else about them looks really good. But what's really interesting um, is how much better Michigan looks 
just in, you know, five, four games, and now we're into the fifth week of of Jim Harbaugh as the head coach. And I think a lot of credit has to go to him, but especially to that entire coaching staff that he assembled and to the players for buying in so quickly to it. I, I do think that they will end up finishing third in the Big Ten East, and they will not knock off the Spartans or the or the Buckeyes, but we'll see when those games approach how they're looking. Um, as for Maryland, uh, boy, I I don't see how any Maryland fan could have any confidence in Randy Etzel at this point. They've been blown out so many times, and twice this year. You know, they got embarrassed by Bowling Green, where they weren't even competitive in the second half of that game, and then West Virginia just totally, totally demolished them. And I think West Virginia is really good, but not not that good. I mean, they shouldn't be beating them 45-6. to six. Maryland's gone to Dax Garman, and I, I don't think the quarterback is the biggest problem that they have, to be honest, but that's what they're going to try to do. They benched Caleb Rowe after they benched Perry Hills, and now they're going to go with Dax Garman, and by the time IU plays them, who knows who'll be a quarterback. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, as I was driving through West Virginia, I was listening to previews of that game, and and one fan called in. It was like uh, West Virginia is going to kill him. So uh, he was right. Uh, credit to whoever that was, and uh, thanks for entertaining me for about half an hour of that drive. Um, anyway, uh, the next game up is Minnesota Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern at home is four and zero. It's a pretty big game. Uh, set the tone early in the Big Ten West. Um, Minnesota. I don't know if Minnesota's offense could keep up, even though Northwestern's offense isn't terrific. Uh, I don't know if they could score on that defense. Uh, it looks like it, this game is would be one of your nine to six field goal fests. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to think that whatever the over under number is to go ahead and take the under on it because um, I, I really don't know if either offense feels all that confident in their ability to score points on the defense. Um, the over under is thirty nine and a half. Okay, well I don't. <laughs> I'd be shocked if they got to that much. But um, yeah, what's interesting to me is all the injuries for Minnesota. And Northwestern has some injury concerns as well. But um, Minnesota's really, really dealing with a lot of injuries. And not just on offense anymore. They're dealing with a lot on defense as well. Uh, their top linebacker, Cody Pook, is looking like he's going to miss the game with the rib injury. Uh, they have a couple of cornerbacks, including Brian Body Calhoun, their best corner. He doesn't need surgery today, or they announced that today. He does not need surgery, but he is going to miss Saturday's game. Uh, Keontae Harden is also out. I mean, this this is a really, really beat-up Minnesota team. They're already missing a ton of guys in their tight end and receiving core, which is not helping Mitch Leidner at all. But I think when I look at this game, I look at, which offense – I really like both defenses, so which offense is able to do a little something? And I have more faith that Northwestern will be able to, number one, they're at home, and number two, I think they have the best player on offense on either team, and that's Justin Jackson. Um, I think he'll be able to you know, maybe break a big run, something like that. There, this game will be changed by probably by a turnover created by the defense and I think that both coaches will kind of be relieved when they get the punt. But it'll be interesting to see whether or not um, Thorson is able to kind of be efficient enough 
as he was in their games against Stanford and Duke. And if you look at those wins, you know, Duke has gone on to beat Georgia Tech. Stanford has gone on to beat USC. So I think so far the work we've seen from Northwestern is impressive. You know, I'd ask you as we head into Big Ten play, you know, if you had to take one team in the Big Ten West, who would it be? Oh, right now I'd probably either go with Northwestern or Iowa. Uh, Wisconsin, I, I mean, I picked Wisconsin the preseason, but Corey Clement's now out for four to six weeks uh, with the sports hernia. So uh, they have a big matchup this week against Iowa. So, you know, I, I'd take Northwestern. I think they, they have might have a favorable schedule down, uh, uh, down the stretch here. Um, so I, I would pick Northwestern just because I like rooting for that underdog as well. Uh, so it's kind of cool, but they do go to Michigan next week. Uh, they get Iowa at home. Uh, they have to go to Nebraska, but then they get, you have two straight, uh, home games, Penn state and Purdue. Uh, and then you do play Wisconsin on the road, uh, and Illinois up in Chicago. So it's not an easy road for them. Uh, but I, I, I like rooting for them, and we'll see how big of a hit this loss of Corey Clement is for Wisconsin. Uh, Speaking of them, they do take on Iowa. Iowa just dropped the hammer on North Texas last week, um, coming into Camp Randall where they haven't had that much success. So, you know, it's a big game to set the tone in the West as well. Yeah, yeah, this this is kind of the – I think the West legitimately has five teams that have visions of – winning the West, uh, one team that has visions of going to a bowl game in Illinois and the other team that's probably just waiting for the season to be over at this point. Um, so I, I, I'm i very interested to see whether or not Iowa is, quote-unquote, for real. Um, you know, they beat Pittsburgh, but it was close, and that was at home, and it took a ridiculous field goal to do it. They beat Iowa State on the road, which has been kind of a, a trouble spot for them and then they drilled Illinois State and drilled North Texas. So just eye-test-wise, they look different than they have in the past, and Kirk Ferentz has talked about that this week, how he has been willing to change some things uh, with the practice schedule, with play calling, with some formations. Um, He's been willing to change some things, and he clearly trusts C.J. Beathard, which is important to have trust in your quarterback. You trust him to make plays, and Bethard is, is definitely making him look good for choosing him over Rudock late last season. Um, I I typically do not like watching Iowa, but I've enjoyed watching them in, this season. They've been they've been a, a surprising team for me. Wisconsin, they finally got the running game going last week by putting in some different personnel, uh, putting in a couple of fullbacks in there and going almost a jumbo set to get the running game going, and it finally worked. But I, honestly, I feel like game where in Iowa City, I'd feel much better about Iowa's chances because, like you said, they have not had much success, and really nobody has in Camp Randall recently. This is going to be a really fascinating one, and it's a, it's a big weekend in the Big Ten West, as pretty much everyone should now. Every weekend should be because there are – really no clear favorite and five teams that probably kind of fancy themselves as, as a team that could win the division and go to Indianapolis for the title game. Should be fun. Yep. Uh, yep. And it will be, uh, finally real quick, uh, Nebraska at Illinois, um, Nebraska on paper should, should win this game pretty well handily, but it is on the road. 
Nebraska is mm-hmm. two and two. Uh, Illinois looked pretty decent last week against Middle Tennessee. Uh, so, uh, what, quickly, uh, what are your thoughts on this game? Well, I think it'll be kind of the opposite of the uh, Minnesota Northwestern game. I think you'll see some points in this because Illinois' defense started well in their first two games. They got torched by North Carolina and didn't play particularly well last week against Middle Tennessee. Nebraska, uh, Nebraska's defense looked awful for most of the game against Miami, gave up 28 to Southern Mississippi last week as they held on to win by eight. I think Nebraska definitely has more talent overall, but you know Tommy Armstrong versus West Lunt is a, is a pretty good matchup. I, that should be an interesting one to keep an eye on, um, just to maybe keep an eye on the score as you're watching IU against Ohio State. They're both at 330, so that'll be – That'll be something to watch, but overall, I would say Nebraska would be like fourth in my Big Ten West if I was doing a Big Ten West rankings. I don't think that they have a defense that's going to be able to keep them in that title race in the West, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, well, TJ, that's going to do it for our show. Um, we thank Eric uh, Eric Seeger for joining us. Uh, big game this week. Keep coming back to HoosierHuddle.com. We'll have all your coverage. Uh, TJ's game primer is going to come out uh, later this week. I'll have all the helpful links on there. Uh, TJ, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Everybody have a good week. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Go Hoosiers. All right. Game is at 3.30. It's an ABC ESPN2 game. Uh, Be sure if you're not there to watch it on TV. uh, And we'll have you all covered. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your week. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. 
The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.